0: Our, um, next part in our series today, this morning, called The Extraordinary in the Ordinary. So, The Extraordinary in the Ordinary. And we'll be looking at the Shema again in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hopefully, you have a Bible. I want to encourage you every time you come to church, you want to make sure you got your wife, you want to make sure you got your husband, you want to make sure you got your kids, you want to make sure you got your Bible, okay? So, make sure you got your Bible that comes with you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number Remember, this is the Shema. This is Moses speaking to this new generation who is fixing to go into the promised land, right? And so Moses is the second telling, so to speak. He is telling them yet again about what God has commanded them. And so Deuteronomy, in all due respect, Deuteronomy is a very critical book. Why? Because it's a handoff. Literally, it's a handoff, and it's Moses' last big moments with his people. And so from that point on, it'll be Joshua. It won't be Moses anymore. Why? Because Moses is not going to the promised land with them. But the great news of all, even when Joshua dies, the Lord never dies. Amen. And so the Lord is always with him. And so Moses is big on them understanding, guess what? I want you to hear what the Lord has for you. That's what Shema means, to hear or to listen to what the Lord has for you. Verse number five, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words I commanded you today shall be be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's what we covered last week. This week we'll be looking at this part. And shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and you shall, they shall be on frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates." And so you see here this language that Moses is using. He says, guess what? I'm not asking you to do a major countercultural difference here. Because here's the big thing. Don't you understand? In this structure, back in this time period, you know, they had the tabernacle. They had the tabernacle that, that that was God's presence dwelling with them. And the odds of everybody going to church together back then or going to temple together, guys, it was nearly impossible. Why? Because the tabernacle was only a small space in the middle of the desert that they could go to and worship the Lord. So you're talking about millions of people, potentially, gathering together to worship. It just wasn't that common. So for Moses here, the big thing I want you to understand is family worship, family discipleship. It might be a new thing to us, but it's a very old thing to this book. It's a very old thing to this book. And so I want you to understand that that Moses is saying these things because, listen, he's not talking to the priest. He's not talking to the scribes. He's not talking to the preacher or the prophet. He's talking to mom and dads. And he's saying, guess what? Be careful what you teach your children. And when you teach them, when you rise, when you sit... When you're in your home, you teach these things to your kids. So guys, it's truly about, you taking, truly, truly about you taking power in the moments. Making the moments matter. Why? Because moments are extremely powerful. All of you moms and dads, you've been there before when you turned and looked at each other because your child said something that shocked you. Or your child said something that made you both go, I don't know the answer to this. And that's a moment. And if you were to be honest, if you were to really think about the moments in your child's life that have caused you to kind of stop and consider what's really going on, I guarantee you there're far there are many 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 of them. There's a lot of those moments every single day. So here's what I don't want you to hear today. Here's what I don't want you to hear during this entire series. You have to be seminary trained. You have to be in the church your entire life. You have to have the Old Testament, New Testament memorized. You have to know the Ten Commandments by heart. You've got to know all these things by heart. I'm not saying all that, guys. You can start where you're at. You can start where you're at. And you can start where you're at today. So the power of moments, I want you to know for the Jewish people, when you think about the moments they'd seen, let's just go over some of these. Let's talk about Passover. This is in Exodus chapter 12, verse number 25. And when you come to the land, the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, look what he says there. When your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he has passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt, and he has struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. So here's the big thing. The Lord already knows, guess what? That Passover was such a big deal to them. Why? Because they'd never done it before. At that time period, whenever the Lord passed over the Israelites, the wrath of God passed over them and went and affected the the Egyptians and their firstborn. Guess what? That was Passover. Why? Because remember, they took the lamb's blood and they put it on the doorpost. Y'all remember this? From the rugrats, some of y'all? Amen. You remember they, they did that back in the day and they showed you, hey, this is what's going on. We remember watching the Prince of Egypt and seeing that as children. And we remember it still today. Why? Because that's a famous moment of our heritage right of our spiritual heritage to remember God rained down those 10 plagues and the 10th plague was the Passover right how God said I will strike the land of Egypt tonight I will strike it in such a way that there has never been a cry that's came up from a country since then I will strike it in such a way where even the king Pharaoh his house will be affected the firstborn in all the land will be affected unless you do what I tell you to do And so sure enough, they did exactly what God told them to do. They took the Passover, right? They took the lamb's blood and they put it over the doorpost. They stayed in their homes that night. They didn't move among the streets. And guess what? The wrath of God, literally, if you did not understand this, the wrath of God passed over them. Passed over them. And I love this here because in Exodus, what does Moses say? Moses says what? When your children ask you. This is also God retelling, right? When your children ask you about this, what service is this? Why are we doing this? Guess what? You take the time to tell them. When we were in Egypt, we used to be slaves. When we were in Egypt, the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. When we were in Egypt, God delivered us. They would tell it to their kids. Guys, let me ask you this. How often do our children ask you about the faith and you just brush it off like, oh, it's no big deal? That's what we always do. Sadly, in most of our homes, the Easter bunny dominates instead of the resurrection. In most of our homes, you know, we we think about Christmas time, we think about how Santa dominates more than the birth of Christ. We think about in most our homes how these things have taken center stage while the, the true gospel message of the gospel has taken a backseat to cultural relevancy. And I wonder how many times you take moments to really say, this is what's going on here. I wonder how many times when there's a baptism that you were to say, hey, do you, you got down and say, listen, this person is showing the entire church, the entire community that they are dead with Christ and they've been raised from the dead. Or, how many times we play it off and say, oh, they're just taking a bath with Pastor Nick? That's real awkward, amen. Imagine that in five years. Imagine explaining that in five years, right? And then they grow up thinking, I want to get in the Baptistry with Pastor Nick. I want to get in the bathtub. Because guess what? There's a disconnect. And we have to understand, guys, that when those moments arise, if you are too busy to explain things to your children, you need to clear your schedule. You need to really get down on top of things and say, whatever it is I'm doing, whatever's on your phone, whatever it is you're watching, I promise you it's not important as that moment is. Of you truly trying to shape their worldview. Of you truly trying to impact them in a positive gospel way to let them know, this is why we do this. This is why we do this. And the more advanced they get, guess what? You can start having more deeper conversation. Why? Because the foundation's been laid. The foundation's been laid so you can build on conversations. So guess what? If you were to build off the foundation, whenever we talk about Passover and Little Lake, which they're going to get to, believe it or not, in a couple more months, they'll get to Passover. Whenever they get to that, if your kids are older, especially if they're in that Eagles group, right, that older group of kids, you can talk about when Jesus gathered with his disciples on the Last Supper, that was Passover. And you could talk about the implications of what Jesus was doing with the Last Supper and how he was taking something that was old and showing them what it was intended to be. You can do things like that. Why? Because you take power of the moments you've been given. And that's exactly what happens there in Exodus. This is another big thing that um, Moses reminds the people of in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse number 20. This is later on in the Shema. When, look at the verbs here when your son asks you in time to come. You know I know about all your kids? They're going to ask questions. Why do we do this? Why are we going to church today? Why why do we have to pray before we eat? Why do we got to do this? Why do we got to do that? Why come every Sunday we go there? Why do I have to bring your Bible? Guys, when they ask those questions, we ought to be quick to give them the gospel truth. This is why we do this. This is why we do that. Well, what about so-and-so? My buddy's friends, they do this or that. Guess what? Their family doesn't worship the Lord like we worship the Lord. Because you're showing them that, guess what? As for me and my house, what? We're going to serve the Lord. You're showing them that. Not by what you do, per se, but also what you explain. And teach them, this is why we do what we do. So when the time comes... And your children ask you, what is the meaning of the testimonies and the statues and the rules that our Lord, our God, has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. Here it is, church. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great grievances against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that He might preserve us alive as we are here this day. And it will be the righteousness for us, for if we are careful to do His commandments before the Lord our God, as He has commanded us. Mom and Dad, let me ask you this. Have you ever shared testimonies with your children about what God's done for your family? Have you ever shared your spiritual heritage with them? Have you ever told them, guess what? Mom and dad weren't always together. But God brought us together. And God brought us together because He wants goodness for us. He wants blessedness for us. He wants the best for us. Have you truly sat down with them and explained to them that, guess what? What we thought was a curse at this time turned in to be a big blessing from the Lord. Have you taken time to explain to them, guess what? All these nice things you have... We did not have growing up. But thanks be to God that he gave us great hands. He gave us a smart mind. He blessed us with opportunity to get education. He blessed us with opportunity to work where we we'll work. And everything you see is not by daddy's hands or not by mommy's hands, but by God's gracious gifts. Have you, have, have you taken moments to explain that? To share the testimonies of your life with those kids? And let me tell you, this is why, guys, I'm so critical about the dinner table. Because if I think about my own childhood, the moments where I truly had those moments with my, with my mom and those moments I had with my friends' grandparents who were like my grandparents, Doc and Dottie, was, guess what, around the dinner table. Because let me tell you something, when the food is done, when the dessert's taken up, that's when the real food really gets going. Because that's when the stories come out. That's when you hear stories about how this happened and that happened. You hear stories about your spiritual heritage that you come from and then passing down those histories around the table, explaining to you that you come from a family tree that is broken and jacked up by that God has redeemed to get you here. And guys, that's powerful. And so here's the thing, you cannot teach also if you don't know these things. And so that's why I encourage some of you, talk to your grandparents while you still have them. Ask them, who are we? Where do we come from? I'm not saying you go out and pay pay Ancestry.com or do all this and 23andMe and all those other sites. I'm asking you to do the hard work and go talk to people and have a conversation. Spend time with them. Why? So you can pass it on to your own children. Really think about the gravity of that. Share with what God's Word has done for you. Hey, when I'm struggling... You tell your son, when I'm struggling with this, this is the text I go to. This is what I pray and this is what I read. So they automatically connect. When I struggle, I don't run to the world to try to get my faith secure. I run to the Lord. I run to the Word of God because the Word Word of God's unshakable. It's always true. I'm telling you, we take power of the moments. Guys, we take power of the milestones. There are milestones in every home. Milestones. Some of those we celebrate very early on, like we celebrate their first word, we celebrate their first teeth, tooth, yeah teeth, what the heck, Uh, we celebrate their first tooth, right, we celebrate when they go potty, you've never danced in your life, more than your dance for a pee-pee in the potty, Uh, right, because you're like so excited, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so great, Uh, because you know it's a milestone, right, you have other milestones that come along the way, you have the milestone of them becoming a teenager, right, you have the milestone of them getting six, turning 16 years of age. You have the milestone of them turning 18. You have all these milestones in the home that I'm telling you we should leverage for the kingdom of God. We should leverage it for the kingdom of God. In such a way, you think about milestones in Israel's history, you think about crossing the Jordan. When they crossed that Jordan, everything was different. When they crossed the Jordan to go into the promised land, guess what? Truly those words, no turning back. No turning back. Right, that was true. They weren't going back to Egypt. They weren't going back to the wilderness. They were going forward. They had crossed the Jordan. When they crossed the Jordan, there in uh, Joshua chapter 4, look what he says in verse number 5. And Joshua said to them, "'Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribe of Israel.' That it might be a sign among you. Look what it says here again, church. When your children ask, in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? You shall tell them the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so that the stone shall be to the people a Israel of Israel, a reminder, a memorial forever. You see the language there? When your kids ask. When your kids ask, you see this theme? When they ask, you'll remind them, this is why we do this. So when they would see, though, that, that pillar of 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan right, they would remember, guess what? We saw the Jordan stand up. We saw the Lord do what he did at the Red Sea. We saw him do it again at the Jordan. We saw him do it again, and guess what? You might be thinking, Pastor Rick, that's all good. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this church has got Jordans God's brought you through. Everybody in this church has got situations where you knew there was no way until the way maker made a way. Amen. Where there was hopelessness until hope came in. Where there literally was no way on God's green earth it was ever going to happen. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do. When literally there was no hope. And God came in and stole the show. We all have moments like that. Let me tell you something. If you do not share those moments, let me tell you something, mom and dad. Those moments die with you. They die with you. And that means, guess what? Your children don't know what their mighty deeds their their God has done. Why? Because mom and dad forgot to tell them about the mighty deeds they had seen Him do. I'm going to get into this in a lot later weeks but I'll give you just a sneak peek right here this morning just because I'm feeling generous, amen, with the sermon series. When you die, the only thing your children will have of you is the, the pictures you took and the words you wrote down. That's it. Maybe in our day and age, the videos, maybe maybe you could say the voicemails, but the words you write down matter. Guys, that's why I highly encourage you. You keep a prayer journal for your own soul, but also for your children's soul. So they can read, guess what, on October of 2021, God and mom prayed for this. And then guess what, in October 2025, God answered it. They can see it in your own handwriting. God's been faithful to our family. You know, there's a line in Star Wars I really love, you know, the force is strong with our family. You know what Pastor Nick always says? Donnie stole it from me as well. The the Lord is strong in my family, amen? That's what I know. The Lord is strong with the Forsyth family. The Lord is strong in the Kasky family. Why? Because I've seen his faithfulness for generation to generation. And the only way your children ever realize that is if you write it down, if you tell them about it, if you take the moments to teach them. If you take the moments to teach them. Because in all due respect, this is a rite of passage. When they went through the water, guess what? It was a rite of passage. You think about rites of passage, you think about how every culture around us has rites of passage except for our culture. Except for the West. We're too sophisticated, right? To have rites of passage. You see, in the Jewish community, they had the the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah. The bar mitzvah for the boys and the bat mitzvah for the girls, this was a religious ceremony that symbolized, guess what, you were now an official man in our culture. And they would do this by the reading of the Torah out loud, they would read this about singing, they would read this with celebration, they would do this as a big shindig that, guess what, you went from being a little boy to a little, to a man, so to speak. You went from being a little girl to a woman. They did this in a big huge Jewish celebration why? Letting people know you have now became not just you're not among the people, but you are a part of the people. That's what the Jews used to do. And they still do it to this day. Believe it or not, if somebody practices Judaism, they will have a bar mitzvah or they will have a bat mitzvah. They will still do that to this day most of the time. Some of you are thinking, that doesn't sound pretty cool to me. I need something a little bit more raw. I've got something for you. There's a tribe in Brazil called the Shati Moa. I'm sure I'm butchering that, amen. Uh, the Shati moa they put a glove of bullet ants on their hand and seal it shut for 10 minutes, letting the bullet ants bite them. The boys do, to prove to the tribe that they are a man. That's what the young boys do. They put a, bullet, they put a glove on full of bullet ants, and those ants bite them, and they have to do it for 10 minutes. Some of you are thinking, well, oh, that might be good for them. That has to do it for me. I've got something else for you. The, uh, there's a tiny island in the South Pacific where the Nakul tribe is, and they bungee jump, but it's not bungee jumping. They take vines and tie vines around their feet. Vines, ladies and gentlemen. Vines around their feet, and they jump off of these man-made structures that can be as tall as 98 feet from the cliffs. And if they do it and live, they are part of the tribe. Because guess what? There's many times where there's broken bones. Some even die. But here's the amazing part. The young boys in the tribe, they start cliff diving at seven years old. They start tying little vines around their feet and jumping off little structures. That's a rite of passage for those tribes. You might say, you know what, Pastor Nick? You had me at bull ants, but I really like the diving. It gets, mo- it gets better. The Manessai tribe, they, before the Endangered Species Act took place, I have to note that, uh, they actually would instruct their males to go out and stalk and kill a lion with only a spear. And they would have to come back proving they had stalked and killed the lion before they are allowed into the tribe. I don't know about you, but Whoa. When you would spend your entire life watching the tribe knowing how to interact with wildlife and knowing that one day you were going to have to stalk a lion and not only that but one day just with a spear you were going to to kill a lion to prove to the tribe you were a man. What do we do in the United States? You get a cell phone. What do we do in the United States? You get a car. You'll notice, church, that there are no rite of passages in our culture these days. There is no true, true leap from boyhood to manhood. There is no leap from being a little girl to being a young lady or a woman. There's no leap there whatsoever. And here's the thing, some of you read these things, And I'm not saying we should do these things. I know that's barbaric in some of these fashions. I know this is just the way the tribes have done it for generations upon generations. But what I am saying is if you do the research, if you do the research and you look at some of the epidemics that are going on in our culture as far as teen suicide and other things, you'll notice that there is no such thing as depression or teen suicides in these cultures as we see in our own culture. Isn't that mind-blowing if you think about it? Because we don't have a right of passage these days. We don't take power of the milestones. We don't take power of the moments. And therefore, we have an entire generation who has grown up, and they are lost as a ball in high weeds. And I don't mean lost from a spiritual standpoint. I mean lost from a cultural standpoint. They have no grip of what it means to be a human. They have no grip of what it means to be a person among the people. They have no grip of anything other than the tiny life they have inside that phone. And I would dare say for many of us, we know this is going on. We see it. See it all the time. You might be like, Pastor what would you do? What would you have us do? What in the world are you even offering? I'm offering a different path. I'm going to offer you today a way to truly make things happen, to make milestones happen, to make truly the best use of the time. To think about how, let me give you an example. I've got some friends who they've done this with their kids, and I've seen it play out beautifully. And I've even read about this in several books doing this series, and I kid you not, I'm sold on it. This is what our house will do. I promise you of that. If the Lord tarries and God's faithful and our children reach the age of 13, this will be what our house does. You can do what you want, obviously, But I'll say for the Forsyth, we will do something very much like this. At 13 years of age, they had a closed private party. They didn't go to the pool. They didn't go to the skating ring. I'm not saying those things are bad. Don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong here. They didn't go to Atomic City. They didn't go to any of those places. They had a closed private party at their own house. And at that closed private party, what did they do? They made sure it was gender specific. So that means if it was a little girl who was turning 13, they just had a majority of women who were there. And you might be like, Pastor Nick, who are these women or who are these men are supposed to be there? The women who are there were women who had impacted this young girl's life. It was people who had been teaching her for years in the community, in the church, and it was invitation only. You You weren't expected to bring a gift per se, but you were expected to be there. And those those women would gather around this young girl, and then you might be like, what did they do? They were asked to bring a letter. They were asked to bring a letter, and to bring a letter ready to speak truth over this individual's life. They were asked to bring a letter telling that individual what they saw God was doing in their life. To read powerful words of Scripture over them, and to speak over them saying, this is what I see when I see you. They wouldn't talk about sports, they wouldn't talk about their talents, they would talk about godly characteristics they've seen in that child's life. And they would speak this, and you can imagine, can you imagine as a teenager, really coming to terms with that. All of us have been there, always feeling lost, like I don't fit in. But can you imagine, have these young men and women who you highly respect coming to your little party that's private, coming there with mom and dad and then at the end of it, mom or dad stands up and talks over you and speaks truth into you and says over and over again we are a people who go back this far and we worship the God called Yahweh who is representing, who is the who, who has always been and always will be the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. We are a people who have a rich spiritual heritage that goes back to Genesis but that truly that we would share that with our kids. Can you imagine mom and dad how impactful that would be for that young boy or girl in the years to come. So when they turn 15 they're like man my, 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 my buddies are picking on me. You would tell them go get a letter. Go get a letter and I want you to stand before me and I want you to read it what that person said about you. You know what I know? Your friends don't know you. That brother or sister knows you. Can you imagine how powerful that would be to our generation? Can you imagine how that truth would go over them, how that truth would watch over them, and they would truly know I am no longer a little boy or a little girl, but I'm a young man and a young daughter of the king. And to be raised up in that, guys. And here's the thing. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm not saying you should do this. What I'm asking you is to think of a better path because let me tell you something. What we've been doing isn't working. It isn't working. And you might think, my kids are different. I promise you, I have, oh man, if y'all only knew the things I've heard and seen. Your kid might be different in front of you, but he's not different at school. They're all the same. And you see it in their eyes when you look at them, when they become seniors and juniors in high school. They are lost. They have no idea what's going on. And I'm not talking about they don't know how to do laundry. I'm talking about they don't know who they are. They have no idea who they are. And you can imagine, if you're so blessed to have grandparents, having them come, having grandparents look at those little boys and girls and share with them, this is who we are. This is where we come from. This is how we met. You know, it's funny to me, it's funny, but it's kind of not funny, but it is kind of funny, amen, is I can tell you, Emily's grandmother, who's Glinda, I can tell you her story of how she met her husband Mike, word for word, because I've heard it 65 times, amen. But I can tell you that. you want to know why? Because she, it's important to her. I can tell you how they went to Germany. I can tell you details about her life, why? Because I've taken the time to sit and listen. Sometimes I didn't want to listen, amen, she started talking. But guess what? I was close enough to be in proximity where I heard it. And we joke and we laugh about sometimes. Here we go with the Germany story. <laughs> but guess what? I have no doubt in my mind when our little girl gets her, I'll be able to share, walk with her and says, do you not understand where we, who the people are we come from? Because I'm telling you guys, knowing where you come from, it determines where you go. It determines where you go. And some of you think, Pastor Nick, I don't have a spiritual heritage. You know, the great thing is you're building it right now. You're building it right now. You know what I know about your children? This holiday, uh, of this holiday observed, I should say, shows us this morning thing. Kids love tradition, they love it. You know how I know it? Let you not kiss that little girl on the forehead before you tuck her in one night. She'll call you out on it, um, Daddy. No, Mommy, I don't want you coming here. I want Daddy coming here. Daddy, you come kiss me. Because guess what? They realize rhythms and repetition and tradition. They love it. It's ingrained in their very DNA. Kids love it more than anything. Can you imagine how startling it would be if our church alone, just in our culture here today, if we started doing really seriously, taking advantage of and making family traditions that were gospel-based gospel-saturated in such a way, I promise you, in 20, 30 years, you, we would see so much fruit, we could not even comprehend it. Just take an advantage of it. I've got some other friends of mine, guess what, they practice Sabbath every Friday night. They practice Sabbath. I'm not meaning from a legalistic way, but I'm talking about from a family way. On, Saturday, on Friday night, they light a candle and say, it's, it's Sabbath. You know what that means? They, they have a time of rest in their home. 24-hour period of rest in their home. Can you imagine how different your family would be if you have 24 hours of rest? You might say, how do they do that? They make it a priority. They make it a priority. Guess what? Their kids, every Friday night, oh it's Sabbath night. They come in there ready to go. Oh, it's can I light the candle? Can I light the candle? And they are jazzed up, ready. Why? Because they know they're fixing a light of candle. They're fixing to sing a hymn. And they're fixing to eat a meal together as a family. And then they know grandma and grandpa are going to come over on Sabbath night, on Friday night. Every Friday night is the way it always happens. And they know grandma and grandpa are going to bring an object from their home. And they're going to share a story about what that object means to them. And so they're building a heritage of faith because they took the time to make it a priority on the calendar. They took the time. And I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor Nick, you're way too crazy about this stuff. Little kids can't memorize things. You can dream by that, Pastor Nick. You wait till you have kids, it'll be different for you. Okay, we'll see. How many of your kids can name all the Paw Patrol squad? They knew who Chase is, he's on the case. They know who Rubble is. They know who Sky is. Half of them were, were her or him for Halloween, right? The world has learned something the church has forgot. Repetition works. Repetition works. Repetition always works. They know the song Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. You know the song too. You're singing it right out in your head. You're welcome. No pup. I mean, no job too big. But I ask you this, mom and dad, what's a great commission? What book of the Bible is it located in? We quote from the most. Woo, got real quiet, didn't it, church? What's priority to you will be passed down to your children. You might say, that's at 13, Pastor Nick. What's your idea for 16? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked, church. My idea for when they're 16 is very much the same thing. You do the same type of thing. At 16 years old, you do the same type of thing, We're close party, mom and dad are there with a few people of like gender for that child specifically, and once again, they come over and they speak truth to them. They talk about what, God's seen them, what, God, what they've seen God do in the last three years. You, some of you don't understand this. You know more, more than I do. From 13 to 16, it's a different kid. You see, and here's another big thing. I would encourage you, if you have the financial means, if you have the financial means, and if you plan ahead, you can always have financial means. I'll just say that for what it is. If you plan ahead at 16 years old, i I tell you something that's very special to me, is if it's a little girl, if it's a young girl, mom and that little girl, they take a trip. By themselves, just mama and girl. And they go somewhere and they have the time of their lives. They go stand maybe in a nice hotel. They get up, get their nails done, get their toes, get their everything done they can, and they have just all about them where that mother can pass down who women are in our family. In such a one-on-one way. Because you know what happens? If you're doing that at sixteen, I would guarantee you at twenty-six she's gonna come back when she's got questions. But there's a disconnect. And young male, guys, males, same thing. You might be thinking, man, I want to teach my kid how to hunt. Guess what? Do it. Plan that trip of your lifetime where you take them up to, to Michigan to go till, kill ducks or you take them out to Colorado to go hunt a mule deer. And guess what? While you're out there, you're not just hunting men man like Trace Atkinson talks about. She thinks we're just fishing. You're not hunting ducks. You're not hunting game. You're teaching them. that guess what? Men in our family, we provide. Men in our family are like this, because here's the thing, they're not going to get that stuff from the world. They're only going to get it if it's passed down to them. And you have to take the time to do it. You have to take the time to do it. And you might be like, I'm afraid, you're, you're telling me my kids might actually like me? No, they would love you. They would love you and want to be around you. Because guess what, you've been a solid rock in their life. And they remember what you've done for them. They remember what you've spoken over them. They remember, mom and dad, live this stuff. Because here's what I tell you the truth is, church, you can't do this stuff if you don't live it. That's called a hypocrite. It's called hypocrisy. If you're going to tell your kids, God's very important to our family, you don't live like it every day, don't waste your time. Because kids are going to notice the difference. Because it's truly about you explaining to them, this is our family history, this is our family mission. You know, I know about every person in this church. Your own mission. Your own mission for the glory of God. And your family is a vehicle for God's mission. Your family is here to accomplish the glory of God, to live out what God has instructed you to live out. It's not about building our kingdom, it's about building His kingdom. It's not about us raising really good boys and girls, no, it's about raising kingdom warriors. It's about us truly understanding that we are making disciples, whether we realize it or not. We're making disciples. Joey, I'm going to skip that last piece of scripture there. I'm going to go down to the bottom. Because here's the thing I'm trying to get you to understand, church. Our first big point, um, I've just got three, the three points are at the end. Calm down. Some of you are thinking, it's only point one. Point one, all three points are at the end. You don't have to have big talks, one and done talks. You need to have a relationship. You need to have a relationship. See me all thinking, we're gonna have, come on in here. Everybody come in here, we're gonna have that talk. Birds and the bees, we're gonna sit down as a family and we're all gonna talk about this. Well you see here, we got this and we got this. Guys, let me tell you something, that doesn't work. you know what does work? When they ask a question and you respond with an answer that's age appropriately, as the time goes on, you know what that starts building? Trust. You know what trust starts building? It turns into a really good relationship. So they learn to trust mom and dad. They learn that mom and dad's safe. Because let me tell you something, mom and dad, if you become unsafe, that kid at school, that best friend at school is safer than you are, and they'll listen to that kid more than they'll listen to you. You've got to be safe. Now, when I mean safe, I don't mean you're their best friend. If you did not see my quote this week, uh, at the end of the day, uh, children are a crash course in theology because you have someone who bears your image who doesn't want to listen to you. You have someone who bears your image, but they don't want to listen to you. And they think they know best. So you as mom and dad have to know best, have to show them I know best through trial and error. So you teach them, guess what, I know best. You teach them, teach them, teach them. And sometimes you let them fall. You let them fall. Some of y'all have been there and they don't want to put the knee pads on when they're riding the bike for the first time. They're thinking, I don't need those knee pads. You know what happens? Guess what, next time they get the knee pads. Because they got a little gravel on that kneecap they learned because sometimes you have to let them learn life the hard way but I'm asking you to truly make long talks when things come up you talk about it I've got some friends of mine they uh when they get in the car they don't listen to music they do but they don't when they get in the car they don't have phones you might be like man that sounds terrible some of y'all moms and dads wouldn't know what to do with yourself you talk to your families but you know what they do when they get in the car? They talk about things. They ask leading questions. You know, I've learned about children more than anything. They word vomit everything. You'll be at the store with them, be like, "Why are they so fat?" Oh my lord! Where's his hair? They say things like that. Y'all know they do. They word vomit everything. When they get into school, you don't have to ask them questions, you just got to listen. How was school today? It was all right. Did you you learn anything? No. Why didn't you learn anything? Well, Chelsea was telling me this, and she was telling me that, and they'll go in this big, long, 45-minute breakdown with a PowerPoint presentation and handouts and be like, what do you think about it, Mom? You just have to listen. Y'all know. Moms, you've been doing this for a long time. You know. You know. That same way, you just have to listen. But you've got to be actively listening. You know what actively listening is? Put your phone down. Look at somebody in the eye. Somebody once said, the eyes are the windows of the soul. I believe that. Look at them in the eye. Let them know, you have my full undivided attention. Some of y'all get frustrated. My kid don't look at me when he got his cell phone out. You don't look at your kids. you got your cell phone out. And you wonder, well, I don't know why they won't ever look at me. They see you do it. So make the use of the talks. I'm, I'm about done, I promise. Um, when the moment comes up, be ready. Be ready. All of us in this room, we have 24 hours in a day. I would argue we probably have, if you you get eight hours of sleep at night, you're blessed, amen. <laughs> Let's just say 16, right? Let's be generous. 16, 17 hours. You have 16 or 17 hours in a day. So that means every morning God puts 16 puzzle pieces in your, in your hands. 16 puzzle pieces. It's completely up to you how you use those puzzle pieces. Now some of us, we have a regular full-time job, which means our workday is 10 to 12 hours. Sometimes 8 to 12, most of us, right? So that means those hours are there. So what that means is, stay with me here, church. When you get home, You have four puzzle pieces left of your entire day. And you want to spend, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, I'm saying this is in a truly, truly convicting way. I want you to hear me say this. You want to spend those four hours looking at who the bachelorette's dating. You want to spend those four hours letting your kids be on TikTok and you're on TikTok for four hours, and then it's time to go to bed. There's no rhythm, there's no ritual, there is no discussions, there's no life. You're going to spend those four precious puzzle pieces, the last ones you have for the day, and we don't want to be intentional with them. Guys, I'm not saying this from somebody who's got this mastered. I'm saying this for somebody who's trying to recover from this. Something I've learned to do, when I walk in the door at our home, and we don't, our, our, our daughter's not even here yet, amen. But when I walk in the door of our home, I, I'm not on the phone. If I'm on the phone with you, some of y'all been there, I'll say, I'm at my house. I've got to let you go. Oh, he's my pastor. I, I, my wife's more important than you. She just is. You might, I'll cut his pay. Cut my pay. I don't care. Because guess what? She's with me for the long haul. She'll care, Amen. But I don't care why, because she's more important. She's the most important thing in my entire life outside of Christ. So she deserves my full and divided attention when I walk in the door. Some of you, you might think, I've got kids. Your spouse is still more important. For some of you, at young, some of you younger families, you might say, I've worked 12-hour swing shift. You don't understand. You walk in that door, you look at mama and say, how can I assist you today? How can I help you today? You know what you have the privilege of being a dad in this room? You have the privilege of going to bed last, getting up early, and you have the privilege of being the most exhausted human being in that entire building. You have that privilege because you're a man. So that means if mama or, or the babies need something, you get up and you go do it. Well, I work 12 hours a day. It doesn't matter. You've got the privilege to take care of those little ones. She's been doing the same thing. She's been working. Some of, some of our women in this room, they work 60 hours a week. They do all the things you do. And plus, they take care of all the children's stuff while you come in, sit in your recliner, and bark orders people to bring you stuff. And you wonder why your son doesn't respect women. I'm telling you, church, it breaks down on so many levels here. Be in the moment. And you know what'll happen to your children? They'll be like, what happened to mom and dad? We're going to eat as a family? At first, we're going to be culture-shocked. We're going to eat together? Did somebody die? Where's grandma and grandpa? Are they coming over? Are they dead? They're going to be like, what's going on? But guess what? As rhythm and time goes on, you know what's going to happen? You watch this, church. You watch this. If you begin these rhythms in your home, you know what's going to happen? You'll start having other little boys and girls join you at the table. You think I'm lying. Kids from school will start coming home because they want to eat with your family. And they'll be, like, they'll be like, man, your mom and dad so cool. You'll be like, my mom and dad are losers. They don't TikTok. They don't watch TV. But you know what makes a difference? You're intentional about your time. You're intentional about your time. And you might be like, well, I need some me time. I've got good news. I've got the best news of all. Two good gifts of God's grace. Nap time. Praise the Lord for that. And bedtime. When they go to bed, you've got about 30 minutes to an hour that you've got you time. Other than that, guess what? That's why it takes some of y'all 16 years to watch a movie, and I get it. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Because we have to take power of the moments. We have to. My last one, and I'll be done, church. Last one. You might say, Pastor Nick, that's all good for somebody else, but it ain't going to be good for me. I need something a little bit more easier. Very simple thing you can do with your kids now. These are our last big points. Something called a catechism. Catechism is not a new word. It's an old word. It's been around for a long time. Very religious word. A catechism, as you can see, is a question and answer summarization Christian principles. So it's a question. You ask your kids questions and they give you back answers that are true. It's like literally like teaching your kids about math, teaching your kids about English, teaching your kids about biology. Anything you're teaching your kids, guess what? It's repetition. Repetition. I remember going home from English class as a little boy, and I could not spell. If you've ever got a text message from me, I have made my smartphone stupid because I'm so stupid, amen. So it quits correcting words in the wrong way and starts putting my my wrong spelling in the right way, amen. I've done that. I kid you not. I've done that. I've made my smartphone dumb. Because I can't spell that great. But I remember being a little boy and my mom and me would sit at our dinner table and I'd have to do my spelling words five times by five times, 20 times. Me, You've know, all been there with me, ain't you? You write it out five times. There's one. 20 more times. Five times. That's two. You keep going. But guess what? It worked. It worked. A catechism is you asking questions in normal conversation with your kids and getting answers. You might be like, how does it work? Guys, simple and easy. A question you ask your kids today to see if they really know understanding understand this. You ask them, who made you? Who made you? They might say, you know, they might be like, mommy and daddy. But you know what the correct answer is? God made me. What does God do? You can ask them another question. What does God do? How does God make things? God makes things beautiful. That's what God does. Guys, these are simple theology things you're teaching your kids from the very get-go, by just asking the right questions. There's an app for this. Guys, I'm making this so easy for you, Amy. There's an app for this called Catechisms. It's like, uh, I kid you not, it's called Catechisms. It has like a black and red lettering, kind of like a big D. and it has like a book opening, and it's free. It has like 40 catechisms. You can ask your kids to see if they know the right answers. And you might be thinking... You know, all the while, you might be sitting there thinking, that doesn't matter, Pastor, it's not gonna make a, it's, it doesn't make a hill of beans. Let me tell you something, it matters in the long game. You're playing the long game here. They can't learn that stuff, I'm telling you. Tell to Paw Patrol.